When you come to the place where you would rather think about Him and live for Him and care for others, you will be loving and kind and you'll go out of your way to minister to those that are struggling with sin and are having a hard time. Let's pray together, may we? Our Heavenly Father, we come to you this evening knowing that we need revival. And Lord, only you can give us the power to want it. You're the only one that can humble us and bring us to our knees and ask you, God, to make us what you desire us to be. May we lay aside all of our own desires and want only Thee. Please speak to our hearts this evening, we pray. In Jesus' name, Amen. Would you take your Bible and go with me to Ezekiel chapter 22. Ezekiel chapter 22, and we're going to verse 30. Ezekiel 22, we're going to look at verse 30. It's very interesting to me that in this passage of Scripture, beginning in verse 23 of Ezekiel 22, that the word of the Lord came unto me, that is Ezekiel, and he begins to mention some things. Verse 25, there is a conspiracy of her prophets. In the midst thereof, like a roaring lion ravening the prey. They have devoured souls, they have taken the treasure and precious things. They have made her many widows in the midst thereof. Not only was it the prophets, but look closely, it was also the priests that violated the law, profaned my holy things. They have put no difference between the holy and the profane. They're unclean instead of clean. They've hid their eyes from my Sabbaths, and I am profaned among them. Sounds pretty bad among the religious people, doesn't it? Verse 27, he talks about her princes. They're like wolves ravening the prey and to shed blood and to destroy souls and to get dishonest gain. And her prophets, here we talk about the prophets again, they've dubbed them with untempered mortar, seeing vanity and devising lies unto them, saying, Thus saith the Lord God when the Lord hath not spoken. And then notice the people in general, all the people in the land have used obsessions and exercised robbery and have vexed the poor and needy. Yea, they have oppressed the stranger wrongfully. My text this evening is verse 30. I want you to read it with me, would you? And I sought for a man among them that should make up the hedge 
and stand in the gap before me for the land that I should not destroy it, but I found none. Now go with me, if you would, to the book of Second Chronicles. The book of Second Chronicles, and I want to draw your attention to chapter 16. Second Chronicles, chapter 16, and we're looking at verse 9. Here God is speaking to King Asa. King Asa started out real good as a king. He got rid of the idols. He did many wonderful things in the beginning of his life as a king. But I want to draw your attention to verse 7. Asa here is being rebuked by Hanani, the prophet, or the seer he's called. And at that time, Hanani, the seer, came to Asa, king of Judah, and said unto him, Because thou hast relied on the king of Syria, and not relied on the Lord thy God, therefore is the host of the king of Syria escaped out of thy hand. Were not the Ethiopians and the Lubans a huge host with very many chariots and horsemen yet? Because thou didst rely on thou didst rely on the Lord, he delivered them into thy hand. Now look at verse 9. For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself what? Strong in the behalf of them whose hearts is perfect toward him. Herein thou hast done foolishly, speaking of Asa, therefore from henceforth thou shalt have wars. I want to speak this evening on God's ten most wanted. Now in the United States we have what is called the ten most wanted by the FBI. They're criminals. They've done bad things. They need to be prosecuted. They need to be found and judged for their iniquity and their violation of the law. But I believe God is looking for ten most wanted. And when I say that, I mean ten things that God is looking for in you. Ten things that every one of us could do I'm not talking about violations. I'm talking about things that please our God and could cause God to use us for His glory and His honor. Don't you want to be one of God's ten most wanted? Well, we'll see whether you do or not. I want you to write these down if you can. You can write the person that puts and then fill in the blank for each one. So you don't have to write the ten the, the person that puts, you only have to write it once, but then add to it as we go down through 1 to 10. How many are ready? How many have photographic memories and you don't have to write anything down? All right, we shall see. I don't want you to miss this tonight. Because I really believe that God is searching. His eyes run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong upon your life. 
And will you submit and will you let him have his way? Number one, God is looking for the person that puts his business first. Every one of us ought to put God's business first. You say, well, that sounds like a lot of work. No, it's a lot of joy and a lot of happiness when we put the Lord first. There are many people that have so many things that are filling their life that there is no room for God. And I must say to you that God must have first place in your life. The Bible says in Matthew 6.33, my parents chose this verse. I said it this morning. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. My mom and dad, they both came from nominal Christian homes. In my mother's home... They sent the kids to Sunday school, but didn't go themselves. My grandfather never got saved until on his deathbed. They had very little interest in spiritual things. My dad, his mom and dad, for many years were nominal Christians. They knew the Lord. But they weren't really faithful. It wasn't until after all of the children had grown and were gone that they began to become serious about spiritual things. You know, we can get so distracted, can't we? By the things around us. And some families even lose their own children because God was not put first in the home. I'm convinced that, you know what we need We need to say, Lord, I am always going to put you first in my life. And so mom and dad decided we're not going to have a nominal Christian home. We're going to train our children in the nurture and the admonitions of the Lord. They prayed for their first child to be a missionary. They never said anything to Tim. They never said anything to any of us about that prayer they prayed. They wanted God to tell us. How about that? They didn't try to coerce any of us into the service of the Lord. Four of the five of us are in full-time Christian service. God gave my mom and dad 16 grandchildren and eight of them are involved in full-time Christian service. That's because a mother and a father ask God to do something in their children that they could not do themselves. Oh, they lived an impeccable life. They never gave us a reason not to want to put God first in our life. Well, at 12 years old, my brother was in a service where they were having a lady missionary from France to speak and give a report before my dad preached. And she told about how how only 3% of all 
French people go to church. And that's all religions, all denominations. My brother got burdened. And at 12 years old, he surrendered to the Lord and said, I want to be a missionary to France. I thought he'll get over it. How many times does a child say, I want to be a policeman and then a fireman and I want to do this and I want to do that? But at 15 years old, just turned 16, he flew to France as a missionary. Got his training in France and he just celebrated 52 years as a missionary in France. That's amazing to me. That when you put God first in your business and what you're doing, you will find that God will pour out His blessings upon you. And as the Bible says, that you'll not have room enough to receive it. (laughs) It'll be so great what God does when you surrender and say, Lord, I give to you my life. And I'm going to always put your business first. Number two, the person that puts others second. Now that sounds pretty nice, doesn't it? But where does that leave us? That puts us in third place. There's a ministry in the States called I Am Second. Maybe it's up here in Canada. I don't know. You ever seen a bumper sticker that said, I Am Second? And there's a lot of celebrities that have come to know the Lord that they have put that bumper sticker on their vehicle, I Am Second. But I believe that we are not second, and I'm not criticizing them, really. Thank the Lord they want to put the Lord before themselves. Amen. And I commend them for that. But you've heard the little little song, Jesus and others and you. What a wonderful way to spell what? Joy. Jesus and others and you and the life of each girl and each boy. J is for Jesus for he has first place. O is for others that we meet face to face. And Y is for you in whatever you do. That's the way to spell joy. We are to put other people before ourselves. Now you might ask the question, why does God want us to put others before ourselves? Because we are selfish. How many times have we made a commitment to live for the Lord and yet we got away from God? We put Him first, but then we didn't live Him first. And we are to come to the place in our lives where we care more about others than we care about ourselves. That's a hard thing to do. But you aren't number one. We are sinners that Jesus saved. And we are to conform our lives to put God first and then others first. Because when you put others first, you will have a testimony of reaching people for Jesus Christ. You know this world's huge. 
Why haven't Christians down through the centuries, millenniums of time, why haven't we won the world? It's because most Christians never put others first. It's always themselves. And that's a dangerous place to be because you miss out on sharing your faith and telling others about the Lord. If every one of you witnessed every day of your life, you could reach hundreds of people. But if you never try, you never will. And that's why we are to put others second in our life. Number three, the person that seeks to minimize the faults of others. It's interesting to me that I find it very easy to criticize people. My sinful nature has a tendency sometimes to find fault with people. Have you ever had this happen to you where you were criticizing somebody and what you were told wasn't true? And then you found out later that what you told other people about somebody wasn't true? How did that make you feel? It made you feel pretty bad, didn't it? I would hope it would. We need to minimize the faults of others. It's, it sometimes happens to us that we get so critical toward people that we can't reach anybody for Christ because we're always criticizing somebody. We're always looking at the negative. Oh, that person will never get saved. Are you God? No, you're not God. You don't know who's going to be saved and who isn't, right? But if we go with the gospel and share the faith of Jesus Christ and the truth of God's word and repentance uh, and share them with people, people are going to respond to those, uh, those desires for, for them to turn their life over to Christ. And all of a sudden you're going to find out, I can't believe that person got saved. <laughs> Did you pray for them? Yes. Well, how come you can't believe God can't even answer your own prayers? We ought to pray believing. We ought to believe that God is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or even think. Sometimes our thinking is skewed. We call it stinking thinking. You better get rid of it, amen? We must come to that place where we minimize the faults of others. Give everybody the benefit of the doubt. Be careful what you listen to from people. I remember one time when I was a pastor, I got up on a Sunday morning and I said, I need to make a very serious announcement. And I could look over the crowd and I could tell, I think some of them think I'm going to resign tonight, today. Instead, I got up and I said, folks, I never thought I would make this announcement, but I am a pastor of a gossiping church. Man, everybody got looking real interesting. I saw some heads go down. Don't duck your head back there. We're not having a prayer meeting. We're having a service. Amen. 
And I said, open up your bulletin. And in the bulletin it said uh, that if you are caught gossiping or saying things about people that you shouldn't be saying, you can lose your church membership. It was amazing, Pastor. Everybody was getting caller ID. <laughs> that was back, back before the days of caller ID as we, now everything, we got it on our phone, right? We know who not to, to answer the phone when they call, right? But if you take a phone call, and I announced in there, here's how you answer the phone. If, if, if a gossiper's calling you, you just say, hello, how are you today? And they say, oh, I've got a prayer request, sister so-and-so, you know, she's, she's just always causing trouble. And, and oh, oh, you're talking about who? Yes, okay. Uh, I'll tell you what, I'm going to hang up and I'm going to call that person that you're talking about. And uh, you can... Uh, she'll be calling you and, and you can tell her uh, what you're trying to tell me, okay? Isn't that good? Click. Man, I'll tell you what, that killed gossip in our church. Isn't it true that when we are self-absorbed, we're always looking out for ourselves? And even when we know we're wrong, we won't admit it. It's because we have a high opinion of who we are instead of a high opinion of God Almighty. I, all I can say to you is that when I think about myself, I feel like I'm in trouble with God. When I look to God, He has nothing bad in His life. And everything is good. When you come to the place where you would rather think about Him and live for Him and care for others, you will be loving and kind and you'll go out of your way to minister to those that are struggling with sin and are having a hard time. We ought to love people like Jesus loved them. By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples if ye have love one for another. We must minimize the faults of others. Number four, the person that seeks to know God's will for their life. What is God's will for your life? I believe that God does have a will for our life, every one of us. God doesn't call all of us into Christian service as far as being in the ministry full-time or even on a part-time basis. I don't believe uh, that, that everybody's called uh, to serve uh, as a preacher or a missionary or an evangelist, pastor. But God has called all of us to serve Him in our local New Testament church. This is a great place to serve the Lord, and we must find out what the will of God is for our life. I will never forget, I told my dad I'd never go to Bible college, never be no preacher, but I'll never forget, I went to a youth rally. I thought it was a youth rally, but it was really a preacher's meeting. And if I had known I was going to have to sit through 16 sermons, I would have never gone. And I got there and I was like, oh man, it started on Monday, it went till Friday, I had to listen to 16 preachers, 
And I was like, oh, and I even had to pay to go, pay myself to go. I had to pay. And I'm sitting there, and at first I was really like irritated, but as I began to hear the preaching of God's Word, God began to soften my hard heart. And every one of us sometimes have a hard heart. When you come there and you sit there, bless me if you can. You know you got a problem. Not the preacher that's speaking at that moment. On the 15th sermon, I'm sitting up in the balcony and the Holy Spirit said to me, Daniel, you've come to a Y in the road of your life. If you make a left-hand turn, you'll be a New York State police officer. And you will be miserable. He said, if you make a right-hand turn, you'll be a preacher and you'll be happy. Now, God's not a liar. Amen? Amen? God always speaks truth. And man, I all of a sudden realized... I'm kind of slow about things sometimes. I realized that God Almighty was calling me into His service. And it brought such seriousness to my heart that I realized God is talking to me about His will for me. And if I become a state trooper, drive fast, carry a gun, pull people over, I'll be miserable. If I become a preacher, I'll be happy. And all of a sudden, the Lord said to me, what's your choice? I said, I'll be a preacher. And I started crying not tears of sorrow, tears of joy. And, and the very desire to want to be a state trooper turned into wanting to be a preacher, just like that. I believe in miracles, folks. And that was one miracle. One of many miracles in my life. So I got home. This is the best part of the story. I got home. I'm walking down the 25 stairs to our cottage on Round Lake in Sonora, New York. And mom and dad opened the door and they're standing there looking at me. And they had such anticipation in their eyes. And if you're a parent, you understand that. And they said, Daniel, what happened? We didn't have phones back then. I said, God called me to preach. And mom and dad started crying tears of joy like I had done in the balcony. And they hugged me. And then I started crying. It was tears of joy. And here's what dad said. Dan, mom and I got down at the couch every day this week. And we said, oh God, if you don't get a hold of Dan's heart this week, I fear that we'll lose him for your glory. Then I really cried. God saved my life to perform his will, not my own. 
And I must say to you, the greatest decision I made, other than my salvation, was saying yes to God when he told me what his will was for me. Number five, the person that loves and obeys the authority over them. Would you take your Bible and go to Romans chapter 13 quickly? In Romans chapter 13, I was sharing this with a police officer the other day. I said, did you know that you're a minister of God for good? I told this sheriff. He he liked what I said, I'll tell you. He said, where is that in the Bible? I said, Romans 13, and you need to read it. He said, I will. Look at this. In verse 1, let every soul be subject unto higher powers, for there is no power but of God. The powers that be are ordained of God. Whosoever therefore resisteth the power, resisteth the ordinance of God. And they that resist shall receive to themselves damnation. For rulers are not a terror unto good works, but to the evil. Wilt thou then not be afraid of the power? Do that which is good, and thou shalt have praise of the same. For he is the minister of God to thee for what? Good. But if thou do that which is evil, be afraid. For he beareth not the sword in vain. For he is the minister of God, a revenger to execute wrath upon them that do evil. Did you know that many of us have an authority problem? How many have ever gotten upset about a red light? We have a few honest people raising their hand. I don't like red lights. And I became so convicted about that one day. I'd get to the red light and I'd go, oh man, this thing is so long. Man, you know, I'd I'd get irritated. Now you you wouldn't think I'd do anything like that, but I'm just like you. Amen. And the Holy Spirit said to me, you know, Daniel, this is a great time for you to catch up on your prayer life. So whenever you get a red light, start praying. Does that sound like a good idea? It's better than cussing. It's better than getting mad. Now, how many have ever been pulled over by a police officer? We have a few honest ladies here. Good. You men. We knew you men would be. Sometimes a lady has a lead foot, right? How many of you discovered that, that uh, tickets are expensive? Yes. I don't know how many new police cars I've bought. No, I'm just kidding. But here the police officer pulls you over and he comes walking up. Now, sometimes a police officer may have an attitude, you know, some of the baloney he has to put up with. He comes up and he said, did you realize you were speeding? And here's how you say it. Oh, officer, yes, I knew I was speeding. I am so sorry. I I deserve a ticket. I'm so grateful for your ministry to me for good. And I just want you to know that I am ready to receive the ticket. I'm ready to pay the bill. And I promise you that I'm going to do my very best to obey the laws of the land so that I can keep you from having to pull me over. Is that okay? He would probably faint or go into cardiac arrest. I don't know. What's wrong with us? 
I was talking with a police officer one time. He said, you would not believe the stories people tell us. Why they were speeding. And I know they're lying. And he said, I just have to deal with it. If you understand God and he is your final authority and the authorities that God has established in our life are not to hurt us but to make us better. We ought to love authority in our life. We are, you know, I have a wife. My wife, she's supposed to submit to me, bless God. And then I'm supposed to love her. Hold it. Doesn't the Bible also say that we're to submit ourselves one to another in the fear of God? When I learned to take advice from my wife, our life became better. Ladies, say amen right there. Yes. I have found that not only is she my best friend, but she wants me to always do right. Well, my old sinful nature doesn't always want to do right. But God uses her to help me. Isn't that beautiful? Authority was given to help us to be obedient to whatever authority that's over us. The Bible says, obey them that have the rule over you and submit yourselves for they watch for your soul as they that must give an account that they may do it with what? Joy. Oh, thank God for the members of this church. And your pastor even said today, I love you folks and appreciate you so much. You know what really thrills the preacher is when he sees you growing in the Lord and being obedient to God's word, not his word, but God's word. Oh, if we could just fall in love with obeying God, every area of our life would bring joy And we would be a tremendous testimony to others. Number six, the person that is faithful to the Lord's house. The Bible says, not forsaking the assembling of yourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. There in the book of Hebrews chapter 10 verse 25. All services are important for the spiritual growth of the believer. You need preaching more than you think you do. And the more you get, the better you become. You cannot get too much preaching of the Word of God. Now listen, many churches today, they're just tickling people's ears. I've heard of preachers that have said, I don't want to ever use the word hell in my preaching, telling people about hell. I don't ever want to use the word blood. I don't want to turn anybody off that comes. And it becomes a positive, positive message. But, you know, your battery out there in your car has a positive post and a negative post. And your car won't start without them both. Sometimes the truth of God's word stings and it hurts. But it's not to turn us off, but it's to turn us on to spiritual things. And we need the fellowship of believers. 
How many times has somebody walked in and you said, man, you came tonight. I was so encouraged to see you. And you know, the more that we come, the closer we can get to God. And it's interesting, if you stay away from church for a while, you'll get used to missing church. And before long, it won't be a top priority in your life. Always put the Lord first. Be faithful to the Lord's house. Because if it wasn't for the faithful people, there wouldn't be a church. I've often thought this, and I want you to ask yourself this question. If every person in the church was just like you, what kind of a church would this church be? It might be that you don't have Wednesday night services here because you don't come to them. It might be that we drop Sunday school because of lack of interest. Maybe the prayer meetings are stopped because nobody's coming to them. Maybe the outreach is hindered or thwarted because we don't take the time to go out and care for the lost. Jesus came to seek and to save the lost. Isn't that what we're supposed to be doing? Seeking the lost. Yes, kindly entreating them. Showing them truth of God's Word. Very, very, very important. Number seven, the person that knows how to get answers from God. Now I'm going to ask you a very personal question. How many of you here in this building this evening record your answers to prayer? Would you raise your hand? Good, good, good. Hold it up if you raised it. Hold it up. Good, that's wonderful. You record your answers to prayer. In order to have answers to prayer, you got to pray. You've got to make a list of the requests that you want God to answer. And then you have to wait on God to answer those prayers. There's nothing that helps me more in my Christian life than to be one that records answers to prayer. When you see somebody get saved here, if you're praying for people to get saved, that's an answer. Write it down. You see somebody follow the Lord in believer's baptism, that's an answer. Write it down. You lead someone to Christ or somebody comes because you invited them, that's an answer to prayer. You know, if I get discouraged, I can go back through my prayer journal and I can read many answers to prayer. And it is so encouraging I would beg you to do that. It can change your life. You see, I was a prayerless and powerless preacher 10 years into my ministry. I didn't know I was. But we had a problem in our church and we lost some people and I was mad about it and we were going on vacation and I got down to Florida where my parents live and my dad said, how are things going? And I began to just spew out the problems that we were having. And he turned to me and he said, Daniel, don't talk about what's going on in New York. I thought you were dead, Romans chapter 6. See, he sensed a bad spirit that I had picked up. He knew that I was not a man of prayer like I should be and he wouldn't let me talk about it. Now I'm mad at my dad. 
But then later that night, while I was sitting alone there in the house, pouting, how many ever pouted? Oh, nobody loves me. Everybody hates me. The Holy Spirit said to me, Daniel, you are nothing but a prayerless and powerless preacher. And my heart broke. And I'm glad it broke. Because as a result of that happening, I started a prayer list. And I have seen God answer so many prayers. I want you to be a prayer warrior. I want you to spend time alone with God getting answers to prayer. Because we cannot afford to be prayerless. Because if we're prayerless, we're powerless. And I don't want to be powerless. I want God to use me. Don't you want God to use you? The person that can turn down, number eight, the person that can turn down sin when nobody's watching. Sometimes when we're alone, we're tempted to do things that we ought not to do. That is a time we ought to pray and say, Oh God, guide my lips, guide my eyes, guide my hands. Help me not to do anything that would displease you. The person that can turn down sin when no one is watching. Number nine, the person that helps bring others into a revival spirit. I really enjoyed those testimonials, that, those programs about revival. Very interesting to me. The revival of uh, 18, what was it, 67, 68? That went for a long time after that. The revival over in Scotland, in Dundee, powerful. I'd like to see God do something like that here. But it all starts with one person getting thoroughly right with God. And when you get thoroughly right with God, you're going to be so excited about spiritual things. People, it's going to be contagious. And people that didn't want to get involved will want to get involved. It's when God gets you right with Him, then you can help others to get right with God. There needs to be people in this church that have a revived spirit. And a revival like this can get it started. And it can be decisions that you make that you haven't made yet. Maybe some of the things I've talked about tonight. These ten things. You could have a revived spirit. Sometimes revival starts among young people. It's amazing. Sometimes it's women that get together and pray and God sends revival to where they're at. Oh, there's so many stories I can tell you about that. It's so powerful. We must have a revived spirit. You know, it was the church that was at Stephanus' house. They became addicted to the ministry of the saints. They believed it was their responsibility to encourage the believers. I think that's a great ministry to encourage one another, don't you? And how many of you know somebody within this church that's been an encouragement to you? Would you raise your hand? Isn't that something? It'd be really neat to have people stand up and say, who in this church has encouraged you? That'd be interesting, wouldn't it? 
Oh, I love to get around prayer warriors and people that love the Lord and love their church and love the pastor and his wife and love, love the believers here. It's so wonderful when God gives us that revived spirit. And number 10, the person that will serve the Lord all the days of their life. All the days of their life. Have you made a commitment? Have you made a commitment to the Lord that I'm going to serve you all the rest of my life. Many Christians have become shipwrecked. They once said amen in church. They once were faithful to church. They once read their Bible and prayed. But something happened and they got away from God. Could you make a decision tonight and say, God... I'm going to serve you all the days of my life. I don't know how much longer we have. I believe the Lord Jesus Christ could come tonight. But until he comes, we need to be ever found faithful. I'd like us to bow our heads together for a moment. And let's stand. Shall we stand together? Thank you for watching the message today. We invite you to join us again every Sunday and Wednesday for more inspiring messages from God's Word.